Welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching, God's Word, rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. Amen. So, uh, as we start, you, you know in this house, we... we we have been talking about the gospel. All our emphasis in this house is the gospel. In talking about the gospel, we talked about the elements of the gospel, right? So one of the elements of the gospel is justification, sanctification, redemption, righteousness, justification, glorification, and all of them, right? I would like us to look at one of the elements today. Paul taught us this element sometimes ago, and he taught the elements with a beautiful story. So I, I, I would like us to look at the element today. And the element we are looking at today is redemption. We are dealing with redemption. So the idea behind it is so uh, by the time we are done or in our daily lives with Christ, in our daily lives, you begin to see Christ in every page of the scripture. Because it's scattered across the entire scripture. In fact, Christ is the only message of the scripture. So if you go to the scripture and you're saying causes, you're saying condemnation, you're saying guilt, you're not saying well. Because the message, the gospel message contains one person, Christ. Hallelujah. And, 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 and redemption plays a major role because if there was no redemption, eh, it would have means that we are still responsible for everything we do. We would have still be responsible for everything we are going to do at every time then the hope of eternal life would have been in vain without redemption. So it's a major element. If you understand how it came about, you will appreciate it better. Amen. So I, I said that Paul told a story. I, I said earlier that if there's no redemption, that means we, we don't have any hope. All the jumping, all the shouting, we are just shouting, we would have been shouting in vain. But thank God. But thank God. Hallelujah. So there's a beautiful story in, uh, in the scripture that Paul talked about when, when he was dealing with this. And, and it is a story about Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. So a man, uh, Ahimelech. So uh, this man, there was hunger because he, he, he's from Ephrath, Ephrathite and in Jerusalem, in Judea. So there was hunger, uh, hunger in Jerusalem. So my guy said, ah, guy, this hunger way, they spoke to the wife. Say, guy, more go find our belly, hunger day for the land. They left Bethlehem where they were staying and, and went to the, to mob. So, um, he had two children, uh, which is, uh, who? Malon and Chilom. And both of them married wives. One of the wives' name is who? Opa. And then Ruth, right? So, um, in the course of their living, the man died after 10 years. Then 10 years later, the two sons too died. So, uh, if, if it was in today's ministry, we would have been doing 10 years deliverance for that family. It would have been a pattern. We would have called it pattern. They are dying in 10, 10 years. Hallelujah. So, when all of this happened, um, Naomi heard that there's food in the base where she left. 
She now turned to the two daughters-in-law. He said, me, I'm going back. I heard there is plenty where I came from. Let me go back. But for you guys, I am old. I cannot bear children anymore. So I don't have anything to offer you anymore. So please, stay where you are. Day your day. Let me go my go. Let me go because now, even if I say I want to conceive again, it w- it's going to take a longer time for my child to grow up so that you people can marry. So, when he said like that, Opa, Opa, she's a cool one. She said, okay. She stayed back and then Ruth said something. He said, ma'am, you are not leaving me. Wherever you go, I will go. Whatever you eat, I will eat. Your people will be my people. Anything you do, that I will do. And this is a story, interestingly, how we've heard the stories in different kinds of languages and in different kinds of sermon. I was shocked when I heard Christ inside all of this. There's no story in the scripture that is random. Don't put yourself in the story. Don't go and start calling yourself David, fighting Goliath. You're not, you're not David. You cannot be David. Because if they give you one thing that David went through, you're not going to agree. This one that you have grace, you're making a mockery of it. You're, you're doing it like there's nothing. What happened when, if you're in David's time where there was no grace? And you're calling yourself David. Don't try it. You're not David. So when she got back and, um, you know, Ruth followed her eventually because Ruth refused to stay. She insisted she was going to follow her. So she did. And, and she got back. And when she got back, they started saying, Ah, Naomi's back. Oh. The, the wife of Ahimelech who died, she's back. Oh. After all these years. And she said something that is key. That is not for you. She said, please don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Because the Lord has dealt with me bitterly. Verse 20. But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt with me. Has dealt very bitterly with me. Everybody hear me. That is not the reality of God. That is not the reality of God. So you, you, you must be careful in scripture. To know the reality of God in scripture from God. To know the reality of Christ from scripture. From God, And then to know the reality that men attributed to God in scripture. This cannot be the Lord. The Lord cannot deal with his children bitterly. The Lord cannot deal with his children bitterly. So before I proceed, I, I said we are speaking on redemption, right? So I, I, I titled the thought how it was titled. Redemption, grace from the king's man redeemer. Redemption, grace from the king's man's redeemer. Don't go and put yourself in Naomi to say, you start praying that God, you deal with people bitterly, please don't deal with me bitterly. That is not God. That is not the reality of God himself. Because I, again, I said that in scripture, you have to distinguish the reality of God from God, the reality of God in Christ, and then the reality of what men have tried to force God and put in the box that it is God and it's not God. Because in the law, when you sin, you will die. Straight up. So that's the reality of God from God. In Christ, the reality changed on account that God brought all the deaths that sinners were supposed to die. All of it 
he left none of it outside and put in Christ. He became the penalty for sin. Sins previously committed, sins currently committed now, and sins that will be tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. And from a thousand generations, God calculated all of this and heaped it in Christ. So when you want to see the reality of God in Christ, see the reality of God in Christ from the point of view of a forgiving God. The point of view that this is not, come on, if he's treating people bitterly, why will he forgive sins, previous sins, current sins and future sins? The God that is treating people bitterly. Hallelujah. So right now, God cannot impute sin to you. You know why? He, he brought all the sin and put them in Christ Jesus. Right now. Uh, this will trouble some religious people, but it's the truth. God is not punishing anybody for sin anymore. Because if God punished anybody for sin again, we will never trust his word, we will never believe him, and then we, we, our case is finished. Because all the things he promised is a liar. You cannot kill one person. For the sin of everybody, and now sin, you kill me again. That's double jeopardy. And you're not, you're, you're not a straightforward God, God, sir. And, and that's not my God. That's not my God. He has forgiven sin. If, if David can see again in the Old Testament that as far as the east is from the west, so have you removed my transgression. How much more me now? After the cross, the dispensation changed. The dispensation changed. If David said he forgives sin for a thousand generations, this one, the generation is countless. You cannot count this generation. He says he forgives in this generation. Let's see chapter 21, verse 21, sorry. We're in 20, right? I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home empty. Somebody say, God forbid. Why do you Call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified. God for the Lord cannot testify against me. The Lord cannot testify against you. This is not the reality of God we serve. So don't let people preach this and, and make and make you feel uh, and cry and do anything. This is not God. That is not God. Oh, the Lord God has testified against me, and the Almighty God has afflicted me. No. It's not my God. Hallelujah. So I said that God put all the sins for humanity in Christ, right? Okay. So again, like, like what is happening now, just imagine that scripture was written in our day and time. All the time that you are going through situations and you say, Oh God, why me? Even with all the realities of Christ, the cross that you have, sometimes you still cry. God, this is it. If scripture was written now, all of those things would have been written in scripture, would have been captured. And somebody will go and read it tomorrow and say, that's God. It's not coming from God. That's not coming from God. Hallelujah. So you, again, you cannot read in scripture and say, God deals with me bitterly. That's emotions. That's, your understanding is very little. You have a very myopic sight. That is very small. You cannot even see. Because if you can see, you cannot say that to my God. Same thing because Job was saying the Lord gives and the Lord takes. No, 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 no. The Lord did not take it in Job's case. Yeah, the Lord knew about it. In fact, the Lord, it was the Lord that did the negotiation for Job. But who took? Satan. It's not God. 
So you cannot go and read the Lord gives and the Lord takes. No, 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 no. It's not the Lord. It's not the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's see 21 in the NLT. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi and the rest? Because you went away. I thought you went away. You went away. Your, your children marry uh, wives from where God say, don't associate with. Because if you study the scripture, you see that uh, Moab and, and Edom are where they, where they direct opposite of God. They will always give God. That's the true definition of Gentiles. Hidden people, sinners. And scripture said, don't break the head. You broke the head. Serpent bite. And you're attributing it to God. You went out your way. You left Goshen. You went to darkness. You said the place is dark. Because you're going through a small situation and you want to abdicate your sonship. Come on, you will hear, you will go and hear what will not help your life. Because there was hunger in the land. What happened? Share the people you left. They are, you came back, you met all of them. Why didn't they die? You, your, your husband died. Your two children that you left where God said don't leave. So, so if, if you are going through something and, 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 and you want to leave your sonship because of, of, of house rent or because of your sick or because of pains in your body, you're not wise. Because you hear people are speaking. In fact, people are looking for people to whisper things to. And in this case, you might physically be living, but you are dead. After all, God killed Adam now. They, he chased them out of the garden, but they were still living. Adam was dead, if in case you don't know, because it is his death that brought man to this place. The entire man died with him. If, not, if he did not die, Paul would not say, by one man's sin, dead ran through to everybody. So Adam died. He was still living. So you might, you might be feeling like, oh, you are still going. <laughs> I'm so sorry for you. I'm so sorry for you. Hallelujah. So don't say the Lord treats you bitterly. Verse 22, NLT. So Naomi returned from Mob, accompanied by her daughter-in-law, Rude, uh, the young uh, Moabite, the young Moabite woman, they arrived in Bethlehem in the late spring and the rest. When they got there, it was a time of harvest. So um, Rude now said to Naomi, Male, we are here. If we sit down here, hungry go kill us. Please let me go out and glean heads of grain from the field. So gleaning means to harvest, right? Mm-hmm. We will get the story well. And now me set out. Now me set out not knowing that. Uh, sorry, Ruth set out not knowing that. Now me has a kinsman. Take note of the word kinsman. We are coming back. Now, when you used to feel it from you, hear nest of kin. That's your kinsman. And that is is, is your nearest surviving relative. Because I asked the question for a very long time since this teaching came. So she went out. She didn't know that Naomi had one. In in, in the person of who? In the person of Boaz. Thank you. And and this guy was wealthy. Scripture said he was wealthy. Mm -hmm. So, and, and fortunate for her, the field she went to glean was the field of Jo, uh, Boaz. So Boaz noticed a new chick is in town now. So he now called his servant. Who is that? He said, uh, uh, Organa, you know they here. You know they turn your television. Naomi just came back now. So she came back with one of the daughters-in-law. That is Ruth. From Moabite. Say, oh, right. She, Boaz now said, okay, now, when you people are plucking, when you people are harvesting, ensure that you people leave some more grains for her too. 
harvest. It didn't end there. My guy went further. He now told her, please ensure you always come back to this field. Hmm? Because I've told my servant that none of them will lay hands on you. So when she came back, she told Naomi, the mother-in-law, everything that happened. Right? She said, I, I met a man who he was so good to me. He, in fact, he even gave me food and egg and I drink water. Take note of that. We are coming back to that. And it, it was so good to me. Let's see that in, uh, we're, we're in chapter 3 now, right? Then after all of this, their conversation, Naomi, being a wise woman, started giving her tips how to trap a man, how to trap us. Give me NLT, chapter 3, verse 1. One day Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it is time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours and he's been very kind by letting you gather grains with his young woman. Tonight he will be whining barley. Take note of that word. We'll come back from that word. He'll be whining barley at the threshing floor. Verse. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on a perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor. But don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. It's a bad move. Verse 4. Be sure to notice where he, lie, he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lay down there. He will tell you what to do. So in, 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 in Hebrew, a, a helm or a talib is not just any hard dress that we used to dress. Talits are only worn when somebody when somebody has come off stage. Papa has explained this to us recently. So when there's a stage you grow to, they know you are now a man. You can wear a, 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 a hem, a hem or a talif. And and in that hem you are wearing, every hem is unique to individual person. No two talif are this are the same. So what uh, Naomi was telling Ruth to do was to identify with Boaz. Same thing that happens to the, the woman with the issues of blood. There was no anointing in what Jesus was wearing. There was no oil in what Jesus was wearing. What she simply did is to identify the authority that is in the person. That's what brought her healing. Because a talib is, 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 is shows the identity of somebody. So I, I, if I'm a man, I cannot wear it, I live and keep, and then because it's my brother, he will come and wear it. It's, it's, it's particular for me, that one. If it's, if it has come of age, he will have his own. So the talif identifies this is for this person. So the moment that woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she plucked into who Jesus was, and she tapped into what was her in eternity. Because again, if God is all-knowing like you say, God knew that there's a woman with an issue of blood. If God is all-knowing, like you say, <laughs> like you say, she you be saying it now. The non-communicable attribute of God. Omniscience. Omnipotent. Omnipresence. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there was no oil, there was no... She identified the deity of Jesus and she plugs into it. Hallelujah. So it was the same thing Ruth, uh, Ruth did with Boaz. That same garment. Amen. So Ruth simply plucked into him to get what she wanted. 3, 8 to 9. Let's look at it. NKJV. Okay, you can leave NLT straight up. Around midnight, 
Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth. She replied, spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. Again, she, she identified with him, like I said, and then simply she asked, Oga, marry me. Yeah, she's the one that actually proposed to Boaz. Let's see the message. He said, who are you? She said, I am Ruth, your maiden. Take me under your protecting wing. You are my close relative, you know. In the circle of covenant redeemer, you do have the right to marry me. So if you now ask me, is it okay for ladies to ask, but I will refer you to the person that told me. So don't try me. You cannot ask me that question. So when, 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 when you read stuff like this in scripture, cover me, uncover me, some of those words, or majority of those words goes beyond the literal meaning that you know. It goes beyond that. You see, I saying that uh, uh, the corner, spread the corner of the garment to me. This is, you just feel like it's just a garment. Again, she plugs into this guy. And she knew that this is it. Hallelujah. So for you to fully understand what you're reading in, in most narrative in scripture, eh? you must understand the cultural setting and the language used when scriptures are written. Are we together? So after all said and done, Boaz said, I can actually marry you because you just came into town. At least Bo, for, for Boaz to notice the girl, there's some, you know, this girl should be wise. And she came back from Moab. No, 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 she has known that your mom, her family redeemer. Who would have told her she's not an Israeli that should know all of this thing? So Boaz knows that, know that this is something. And, and, and Boaz said, I would love to marry you, but in the ranking of family redeemer, there's somebody that's actually ahead of me. So, uh, let's plan a game. We will go. Tell him, this is what is happening now. This is what is happening. If he's ready to redeem you, glory to God. But if he's not ready, as surely as the Lord lives, I will marry you. So, marry, uh, uh, covering in that context, or uncovering in that context, or redeeming in that context is marriage, right? So, let's see 3, 13 and 15. NLT. Stay here tonight and in the morning I will talk to him. That's again coming from the backdrop, uh, background of the story I just told you that there was somebody ahead. Right? I said we are not reading the whole story. If he is willing to redeem you very well, let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here till the morning. So I said that redeem in this context means what? Marriage. Hallelujah. So again, you see how Boaz is covering. Okay, give us 14 so that we understand something. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until morning, but she got up before it was. It was light enough for people to recognize each other, for Boaz has said, no one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. So again, right there and there you see Jesus protecting Ruth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because again, it will feel somehow that somebody that you are eyeing came to seduce you. You know, in this part of the world, we don't agree. Hell will break loose. The people will say, ah, no, 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 it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No, 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 no. But Boa said, no, I have to cover this one. Because Boa would have freaked out. 
Boaz would have said all kinds of useless nonsense talk. But Boaz, that is the grace of God. That is the grace of God. Boaz protected her. Boaz kept her safe. Hallelujah. Then getting to chapter 4. The next morning, since they had plans now, stay here. Tomorrow I will go and do this. The next morning, Boaz don't say, hey, hey, Oga, come, 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 come. There's something we need to discuss. Come. Let's go to the gate where the elders are. Go to the gate. He said, uh, you, you, you know Naomi now. Uh-huh. You know everything now. Again, uh, we're we going to look at what, what I'm talking about in, in this part of the story. Yeah. There are a few laws, Moses' laws in this story. One of these is the law of land redemption, redeeming the land, and the law of harvesting. So uh, they had a few, few laws. So he said, ah, this person is back home. And you know, God told them that land should not be married to another tribe. So land always remain in each tribe or each family. So if you are the only surviving relative in that family and you are a woman and somebody comes outside to marry you, somebody in that family will buy back the land to the family because God gave them instruction that land should not be. Okay. Root four. Let's look at three so that we cut all the story. Three. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, you know, you know Naomi who came back from Moab. She is selling the lands that belongs to our relative, Ahimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of all this weakness. But if you don't want it, let me know right away because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied. All right, I will demo. Of course, who will hear land? I don't want to. And then, after all of this, Boaz, remembering their game plan, he played the first one with that. He said, Don't forget, you are not just redeeming this land, no. You have Naomi that came back, and then you have Ruth, the Gentile. You know how you want something. You know that thing, you really need it too. But you will paint the, the thing in a way that the next person will reject it so that it will come to your favor. This is what Boaz did. The Gentile, the hidden, fairly used goods. Fairly used goods. He said, uh, if you want to redeem the land, don't forget you have all of this. So the guy said, no, 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 no. Give us verse 5. See what the guy said. Then told him, give us 6. I have Naomi and the rest. Give us six. Then I can't redeem it. The family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. Law will always reject. And again, as I, as I was looking at this thing, I, I began to see why, uh, how they call Religion people used to do firstborn deliverance. Because this guy came first now. Last week we saw children that came first. Came first. Cain came first. It became a problem. Ishmael came first. It became a problem. Uh, Esau came first. It became a problem. Law came first. Adam came first. It all became a problem. So, so the guy said, "This might endanger my estate." It could mean that the guy knew that this the wife might not find it comfortable of him having a gentile woman as her partner. It could mean that he doesn't have enough money to take care of this. It could either mean that. He has planned his own inheritance for his children. So if this woman comes here, I have to say, we have to further divide it down. It could mean any other thing. And then immediately he says, so then you remember. Paul say yes. You know that that's what he's been waiting for. 
It's all that, give me your shoes, give me your shoes. Because back then, if you have an agreement for a transaction, the sign of, uh, of proof to say that this pass-through is, we will hand ourselves shoes as collateral. You know, here we, here now we sign papers and give house there, they were shoes, sandals, not even shoes. So, give me your shoes so everybody can know that this is what is happening. And the transaction took place. Hmm? Remember I said I'm telling you a story, right? The handing of the sanders is to validate the transaction. Okay? Hallelujah. Sometimes you read this alone, you will not understand. Don't forget in this house we, are, we have been told over and over that scripture interprets scripture. So you have to read other scriptures to see what is happening. Hmm? Hallelujah. Then Boaz quickly did everything. Married Ruth. Ruth gave him a son whose name is Obed. Obed became the father of Jesse. Jesse became the father of David. David became the father of Jesus Christ, the son of man. Again, reading this story alone, it, 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 it instructed me like there's no tomorrow. I, I, it was hitting me back to back. Again, there's no way you would trace Jesus to see that Jesus came from the normal married home. Let's come from David himself. David sent his own servant to war. In fact, what was David doing on top of the roof? Because we knew David to be a warrior. We knew him to be a fighter. What was he doing on top of the room? That his eyes now saw a woman having her bath. I like you. The woman said, I like you too, king. But there's a problem. I'm in my period. Seven days, right? Uncleanliness. The king said, I will wait. The woman finished wait. The king waited. The woman finished all king. Oh, oh king, I'm here. They did what they did. After a few weeks... O king, live forever. I miss my period. I miss my period. And David, David calculated, calculated, calculated. And now calculated all the days. Quickly called the husband to come back from war, to come and sleep with the wife. The guy came back. The guy said, God forbid that the Lord's army are fighting. Then I should sleep. I should defy. No, 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 I cannot. David did everything. David got him drunk. In his drunken state, the guy was still wiser than the David. See, if God has a hand in something, there's nothing you can do. There's, if you feel like you, there's nothing you can do. David said, hey, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? David killed him. Sent him to the war front, wrote a letter to his chief of staff. That one that David would be thinking something. The guy finished doing it. Kill him. David heard that the guy was dead, stood up, brought the woman, and married. It's interesting to know that that's the great grandmother of Jesus Christ. That's from David as a father. Coming from Ruth now, who is the mother? Who was Ruth? A Gentile. A Gentile. And you hear something is happening to you and you're like, why did I, why am I so unfortunate? Have you seen where your savior came from? Have you seen where your savior came from? Trace it from both ends. From both ends. You cannot say, this woman was legitimately married from no wahala. That Jesus came. No point. Trace it anyhow. A gentile, a fairly used goods. That is the ancestor. Ancestry of Jesus. And you're here complaining that life is doing like this. Your mother did not do this. Your father did not do this. My friend, get up. Fix your life. Because your pattern, the person we're imitating, came from the same family that has nothing, you cannot write anything legally about it. Because David is supposed to be hung on a tree. For all he did. And then God said, look at David, a man after. 
And you know, you say I should not say that. I am forever saved. You say I should not say that. You say I should not say so. If God condemned me for sin, what God should do to David is they have not invented it. What God should do to David, they have not invented it. Because the guy had wicked, wickedness. God said, this is the man after my heart. God is not terrified by your mess. No. God is not. Mess is too small. If he, if he did that, God will apologize to all of us for David. Who gave him the right to call David a man after my heart? After all the things David did. And you want to condemn me? Me that I don't have original sin? I don't have original sin. I don't have original sin. You can, I cannot be condemned. Cannot. No matter how you look at it, I cannot be condemned. I cannot be condemned. Hallelujah. So it was from there that what happened? Jesus came. And that is the end of my story. Now let us start looking at the story. I finished telling it now, right? So let us dissect the story. Pieces it. So I, I, I said earlier that there were laws in the story. Laws of Moses, right? So there were three laws in, in, in this story. The law of land redemption the law of harvesting, and the law of liberate marriage. That's uh, close family members' marriage. Hmm? Follow me. Hallelujah. So, I said we are dealing with redemption, right? So, redemption in Hebrew is the word gaal. G-A with apostrophic A-L. And it means to buy something back. Uh, we saw in the narrative now, right? We saw in the narrative now, right? How Boaz bought the lands back and had every, had Naomi, had everything and everything set in motion, right? It means to pay for something, especially something that was lost, that has to do with a kinsman. Are we together? Redemption could also mean, or it also means in a separate context, to avenge or to require blood for something, to require blood for the payment of something. Are we together? So when you are redeeming, part of it means to require blood in payment for something. That is the word redemption in Hebrew. Hmm? So the act of redemption, eh, as you see in here in Hebrew, is a legally binding transaction between three parties. Yeah? It's an act that's legally binding between three parties. One is binding between the redeemer, the redeemed, and who the price is paid to. It's legally binding for three persons. Who is the one redeeming? Who is being redeemed? And the person that, as we are two of us, are redeeming. Who are we? Are we together? And again, there are four components of the Hebrew redemption. One of the components is the king's man must be a blood relative. It has to be somebody that is your, your family person. You cannot be redeeming outside a family person. Are we together? 
Mm-hmm. Then the kinsman redeemer must be must be capable of redeeming what is at stake. So somebody who wants to come and redeem is capable. Should be capable of redeeming what is at stake, right? And then and then uh, the third one is the kinsman redeemer must be willing to redeem what is at stake. So you cannot force somebody against his own will to redeem, right? And then the last one is the kingman's redeemer must complete the transaction. You cannot back out. So it's better you back out, like we saw Uncle First of King. Back out that time. You cannot start and look back. Please, one chance. Are we together? So that's the component of the Hebrew redemption. So um, we look at in this narrative, we, remember I call three laws, right? What are the laws? The law of harvesting, right? Let's look at Leviticus 23-22. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your field. Do not pick up what the harvester drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. Are you seeing it? So if you read the story of Ruth alone, you will not get this. So that's why we say scriptures interpret scriptures. You see, that's what Boaz asked the servants to do. Because Boaz, hey, come on, for you to be wealthy in that time, you should have studied the law, you should know. So Boaz knew that this is what the Lord said. So you have to teach scriptures to establish a context of scripture. Are we together? Deuteronomy 24, verse 19 to 22. Deuteronomy 24, 19 to 22. When you are harvesting your crops and forget to bring a bundle of green from your field, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, orphans, and uh, widows. Then the Lord God, the Lord your God, will bless you in all you do. Next verse. When you beat the olive from your olive tree, do not go over the boughs twice. Leave the remaining olive for the foreigner, orphans, and widows. Are we seeing it? When you gather your grapes in your vineyard, do not glean the vines after they are picked. Leave the remaining grapes for the foreigner, orphans, and widows. Is it all coming together? So this is what happened. So again, it's not just a random story in the scripture. It's not. It's not. You feel like they just decided to leave things. They didn't. Hallelujah. The second law is the law of land redemption, right? Give, give me Leviticus 25-23 to 32. This one, give me the uh, NKJV. So we'll drive home for somebody. Right? The land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. This is God saying. And in all the land of your possession, you shall grant redemption of the land. If one of your brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his possession, and if his redeeming relative comes to redeem it, then he may redeem what his brother sold. Or if a man has no one to redeem it, but he himself becomes able to redeem it, then let him count the years since, his, since it sell and restore the reminder to the man to, to whom he sold it, that he may return to his possession. Let's go. But if he is not able to, have it restored to himself. Then, what was sold shall remain in the la- in the hand of him who bought it until the year of jubilee, and in the year- and in jubilee it shall be released. 
and he shall return to his possession. Let's go. If a man sells a house in a, a wall city, then he might redeem it within a whole year after it is sold. Within a full year, he might redeem it. But if it is not redeemed within the space of a full year, then the house in the wall city shall belong permanently to him who bought it throughout his generations. It shall not be released in jubilee. However, the house of the house of villages which have no walls around them shall be counted as the field of the country. They may be redeemed and they shall be released in Jubilee. 32. Nevertheless, the city of the Levite and the house in the cities of their possession, the Levite may redeem at any time. At any time. That's where we stop, right? 32. So so is that's pretty clear, right? Amen. The third law is the law of Leverage marriage. Deuteronomy 25, 5 to 10. NKJV. Deuteronomy 25, verse 5 to 10. If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. You see why uh, Boaz, Boaz, Married root, right? It has to be in the family. So again, like I said, you have to read that. Come to read this. You stitch it together, you get the full story. Shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. Her husband's brother shall go into her, take her as his wife, and perform the duty of her husband's brother to her. And it shall be that the first son which she shall bear will succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name might not be blotted out of Israel. So you can see why those two brothers, what is their name? Um, is it Onan? Refused to do and God killed him, right? Because this is what God said. And your brother wife, Nandai, he said, I'm not doing. God said, go. Are you together? Next verse. But if the man does not want to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the elders and say, my husband brother refused to Raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Then the elders of his city shall call him and speak to him. But if he stands firm and say, I don't want to do, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elder, remove his sandals from his foot, spit in his face, and answer and say, so shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. And his name shall be called in Israel, the house of him who had his sandals removed. And this is the laws you want to keep. We are offering you grace. You are saying you are not doing. Hey. <laughs> this is what you want to keep. You have grace. You say you no go do. You are your own, sir. Hallelujah. So again, when you read the book of Ruth, like I said, you'll not get full of this. And then you see Boaz walking. He's fulfilling all the scriptures. Fulfilling all the laws. Fulfilling all the laws. Let's consider a few pointers in the story as we go along. Ruth was a Moabites. Don't forget who they are. Fairly used goods. Gentile through definition of Eden. Moab and Edom, Right? They were the people that was giving God headache. They were complete enemies of God. But she found favor in Israel. 
Somebody went ahead to fulfill all of it. So Ruth was not their people. She was a stranger. First Peter chapter 2, 9 and 10. NKJV. First Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may, you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See the next line. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now had obtained mercy. Ruth was not an Israeli. She was, uh, is it outcast, right? Yes, she was. Ruth, she, she, was a, she, she was a stranger. She was not a people, but now you. I people. So you see Ruth coming into favor with Boaz even when she committed an abomination. Because if she has done that in today's generation and in today's church, would have printed her names, put billboards on her, and labeled her everything. She was a foreigner, she was an outsider. She did not choose it. A misfortune happened to somebody, and it happens she has to be a circumstance of that misfortune that fell on somebody. It was the husband that died. She didn't put herself in that position because Ruth would not have said, I want to be a widow. Hallelujah. And then when you see Romans 5 12, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin from one man. One man misfortune brought all mankind to become sinners. Are we together? Are you understanding me? By one man's sin. All. So you being a sinner wasn't your own making. Because Ruth, it was not her own making to be a widow. Point number three, Boaz gave her barley and water. Ruth 3.15 NLT. Of course, I'm not going to waste time to explain barley because we just explained it not too long ago from church consciousness. Barley is from where bread, that's where bread is made, right? Bread is either made from barley or from wheat. You get right? Then Boaz said to her, Bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six cups of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to the town. Boaz gave her bread. Because that's barley's bread now. So as part of the redemption plan, Boaz gave her what? Great. John chapter 6, 27. It's a long read. We'll just be skipping verses. Uh, New King James, John 6, 27. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Because... Go to 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall... Never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Boaz gave her water and bread. 48. Is he coming home? 48. I am the bread of life. 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If you eat of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give you is my flesh 
which I shall give for the life of the world. So, Boaz gave her barley. It did not just end there. Boaz was typifying something that is coming ahead. For me to redeem you, I will give you barley. For Jesus to redeem you, he gave you bread. Gave you bread. Jesus gave you his flesh, bread. And you are married to him. Boaz gave her bread, flesh, bread. Anyhow you want to call it. She was married to Boaz. Hallelujah. She ate into something. She ate into Boaz. Like I have eaten into Jesus. Because I believe. Because I believe. I have eaten into something. Ruth chapter 2 verse 9. NLT. See which part of the field they are harvesting. And then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. John 4.14 So the entire narrative of the scripture is about Jesus. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. So it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Boaz gave Ruth water when she was thirsty and married her. Jesus gave you water and gave you eternal life. So there's nothing in scripture that happened randomly. Nothing. Chapter 737. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowd, anyone who is thirsty may come to drink. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares who flow from his heart. The first thing Boaz did was to give her water when she came around. And Jesus is giving you living waters today. Hallelujah. And after the water, at that point they were connected. And Jesus is giving you water. You are forever connected to him. The fourth thing that happened here is Boaz fulfilled the requirement of the law. The first king man backed out and no do. He said, I would like to marry you. But somebody first me. I for marry you. Because I, I tell you, since you walk up from this place, I've been eyeing you. But there's something that is on our way. Let's ensure that we take that thing out first. Let's ensure that eh? the law. So, so just like you were slaves to sin under the law. And, and, and the second man came. So see, guys. Jesus did not just make away with the law. Jesus ensures that he fulfilled every part of it before he set it aside. Same thing, Boaz ensures she come on. I will take you tomorrow morning. I'm going to the gate. Yes, okay, so these are my cards. This this is my button. I'm going to press this, I'm going to press this, I'm going to press this. I'm sure boss know that that guy will run away. For him to go with that kind of, to say, if he did not marry you, I will marry you. So we have to ensure that the law is fulfilled. 
And when the law is fulfilled, we made it way with the law. Then I'll be your husband. Hallelujah. So Jesus came. He ensured he fulfilled every part of the law. Set it aside. Romans 10 and 4. For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to them that believe. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Is it making sense now? Is it making sense? Boaz betrothed herself, himself to, to Ruth. But there was a law. Something was standing on the way. The law of land redemption, right? The law of what? Harvesting. And the law of what? Hallelujah. I want to, I like you. I'll go marry you, but there's something, but I'm trying to get you, but somebody first me. So we have to deal with this case first. That's the most important thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody come to the gate and everything happens. Mr. Law, can you afford this? <laughs> Mr. Law say. <laughs> I cannot. Galatians 2.16. This is the answer Mr. Lord gave us. NKJV. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ, in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Give us NLT. Let's see what how NLT puts it. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever, ever no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. I like the emphasis. <laughs> ever. He did not just say no one and leave it. Ever. So law have to step aside. Well, I say, okay, 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 okay. Come, come, come. Give me your shoes. Give me your shoes. Give me your shoes. Give me your shoes. Collect, collect, collect. Give me your shoes. Give me your shoes. And that's where your savior of the world is coming from. Hallelujah. No one can be justified because the say the Lord knows this. Eh, the Lord Lord knows that He cannot make you righteous. Hmm. The Lord knows that He cannot cater for you. You are the only one that don't know, that don't know. The law in itself knows. You are the only one who is living. In, uh, I don't care. You are living in ignorance. You don't know. The law knows. Hmm? The it, the law knows that it doesn't have what it takes to to give you your supply. And supply in this context is not food. It's not money. Are we together? So I don't have what it takes to give you peace. I don't have what it takes to justify you before God. The Lord know, the law knows that it doesn't have what it takes to bring you 
to your expected end. But this, because this expected end is not houses, riches, and driving your cars. So the Lord knows that you, it cannot justify you to, to bring you into glory. The expected end. So, hey man, because I cannot do this. I can't. You want it? Please take it. And trust Boaz. That's what he's been waiting for. Don't forget, Jesus has been waiting for this from the foundation of the earth. Waiting for the first man. He say, I don't tire. I cannot do it again. Hallelujah. Boaz unconditional love. That's another thing. Romans 5 and 8. NLT. Boaz unconditional love. But God shows his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Boaz covered her even when she messed up. 1 Corinthians 13. From 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or, or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. So there was no record of being wrong between Ruth and Boaz here. What we rather saw was he covered her. Say, I know, I know, I know if our people see you early in the morning, there's going to be a problem. So what you need to do is wake up on time. Wake up on time. Wake up on time. Go to your house. Because if our people see you, there's going to be trouble. So before, before you will hear the first kokoroko, go to your house. Boaz unconditional love. Next verse, please. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoice whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Never loses faith. Never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Every. Is that instructive? So if you see anything outside this in love, it wasn't love. It was lost. Boaz covers her. His love for her covers her. Hmm? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Are we together? Live in the morning. Boaz protected her. I'm not going to tell anyone. I know you're, you're in a very compromising position. You know, for, for somebody that's betrothed to be in that position, it's very compromising. But don't worry. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell anyone. That's what Jesus did for us. Hallelujah. Boaz paid the price for her, right? Again, you see true love. Yeah, same thing with Joseph. Even when Mary told Joseph that I'm pregnant. True love. Joseph loved her so much that Joseph was ready to put Mary away, the mother of Jesus. Mary away. Quietly. Because, like we have heard, if you truly love, you cannot hate. Because... Joseph did not understand it. It has to take another angel to explain to Joseph. Now me won't marry you. Are you telling me I'm, you are pregnant? I have not touched you. Hey. I asked is the Holy Spirit. I had the Holy Spirit be before you. <laughs> I was just imagining. Joseph would say. I have the Holy Spirit before you because I am your elder. <laughs> you are coming to tell me the Holy Spirit. Because of his love for her. She was ready to put her away quietly. 
So again, if, if something is happening and somebody that loves you say, and you say otherwise, it's not love. Because love and hatred are two words that can never come together. In fact, they are the true definition of ends meet. It's an end night, this end, it can never meet. Hallelujah. Another thing you say again is Boaz's readiness to redeem her. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. Give me, give me New King James. And you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your, of your flesh, he has made you alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. Somebody say, all my trespasses. It's like you didn't, you didn't get what I said. I said, say all my trespasses. God forgave all of them. Let's see the last line in that, in that trespasses. Let's see how the NLT renders it, that last line. That God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. God forgave all our sins. Ephesians 2, 1. Ephesians 2, 1. And you he made alive. Who were dead in what? Trespasses and sin. Go to verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy. Because of his great, great love. With which he loves us. Even when we were dead in trespasses. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Give us NLT. Let's see the NLT. That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. Even though we were dead, he gave us, he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Hallelujah. Another point is Boaz covered her shame, right? <laughs> Just as Christ took away our shame and gave us glory. Psalm 32, verse 1 to 2. You see Psalm 32, you see 1 Corinthians 19, side by side, David is speaking. Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Verse 2. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 19. You see how David speaking. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Are you seeing it? The same thing in Psalm. And has committed to us a word of reconciliation. Give the last line, as you call it, NLT. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. So any message that tells you that your sins are being counted against is not the message of God. It's clear now. God is no longer counting your sins against you. Because the person that sins was counted against, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Sir, if God is counting your sins against you, are you not from the world? If the, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, and now you still have sins that are being counted against you. Wow. Because he did not say that taking away sins from the planet would have said, okay, you were in another planet. But all the planets are in the one world. So there's no how you would justify it. You don't have any how to justify it. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. Colossians 2.14 Something stood in the way, right? Jesus came 
He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it. What was standing against us, God canceled all of it and nailed it to the cross. Hallelujah. He fulfilled the requirement of the law. Hallelujah. Those things that were hindering us from us to have reconciliation with God. Christ ensures that all of these things. Hallelujah. So I said there are components, four components of the Hebrews redemption, right? The kingsman redeemer must be blood relative, right? So we have Adam now. Are we together? Adam messed up. All of us. So the blood relative will have to come. Hmm? So God sent a person that is in the likeness of our body. So we can have a brother. Because the king's man redeemer must be a blood relative. Hallelujah. Galatians 4, 4, 4. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Because we were all subject to the law. So the person, if the king's man must be a blood relative, Jesus Christ will have to feel what we are feeling. Because he is our blood. Hallelujah. Five. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Give us an NKJV. Let's see. To redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoptions as sons. Are you seeing it? Because we, somebody will have to come in our likeness, right? Romans 8.3. Just give us straight in the NLT. Instantly, we became blood relatives. <laughs> Romans 8.3. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. Because it has to be a blood relative. And, and in that body, God declared an end to sins. Control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. God gave his son. So you are not a sinner, man. You're not. The beef between you and God is over. You're not a sinner. Yeah, once in a while you dabble into wrongdoing. That does not make you a sinner. My little children, John, John chapter 2 verse 1. I write these things to you that you might not sin. But remember if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father. He is the propitiation for our sins. Not just for our sins only, but for the entire world. So the person writing know you are going to sin. He knew you were going to sin. But he said, he said give me the next line. But if you sin, and he himself is a propitiation, go back. My little children, these things are right to you so that you might not sin. And if anyone sin, remember, don't lose consciousness. Remember consciousness. Remember redemption consciousness. I've been redeemed by God. I've been redeemed by God. So instantly, you see that we have a blood relative, right? Because Jesus came as our cousin. Jesus came as our cousin. So the gospel is good news. So, so they asked Jesus, are you ready to save these people? In their sickness, he said, yes. I give them health. In their sins, I give them righteousness. I give them righteousness. In their sin. In their poverty, I give them riches. In their rejection, 
I give them acceptance. So nothing excludes the cross. Nothing. Nothing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you willing to do this for them? Eh, are you willing to do this for them? Eh, it's paining me. Oh. If it's my will, let this cup pass over me. But nevertheless, let your will be done. It's not my will, it's yours. So if you ask me if I'm willing, I am conscious of his willingness. So I am going to do it for them. My will cannot stand. But his will stands. And I'm conscious of it. Conscious of his will. So, willingness, consciousness. The price was paid because it was a blood relative, right? Hallelujah. So, we see that it was boss that struck the bargain. It wasn't rude. Rude had no part to play. It wasn't rude that called the people to the gate. It was not rude. Rude simply believed. Spread your garment towards cover me. That was belief. All God is asking you to do is believing. All God is asking you to believe, to do is believe. John chapter 6, just give us NLT, 20, 28 and 29. They reply, we want to perform God's work too. What should we do? See, see God's work on you that you are trying to do it to please God. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. The only work. Okay, before this, give us 24. John 5, 24. Give us NLT. This is going to blow somebody's mind. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. But they have already passed from death to eternal life. Now me they talk um, Please if you are with your Bible, open it and check. Let it not be as if we have done something to this one. They will never be condemned for their sin. So, is guess who is talking? Guess who is talking? Jesus Himself. Is Jesus who? It's not Paul for you to say. Ah, I've been suspecting Paul. You know how Paul has been doing. It's not Peter. Maybe Peter did not hear well. After all, maybe the time Jesus was teaching this, he denied Jesus, so he was hiding away. It's not Judas. After all, he sold Jesus, so he can do anything. It's Jesus himself, whosoever hears my message and believe. If it wasn't about believing, God would have asked you to do something. Acts 13, let's see another one. Acts 13, 38. Acts 13, 38 and 39. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there's forgiveness for your sins. See the next verse. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. Something the law of Moses could never do. See what Titus 3 and 4 said. So salvation remains an exclusive act of God without your participation. But, but, hi, they left that space there. When God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. This is not you. You have no part to play. Anybody that tells you that you have something to do with our salvation is, is lying to you. Of course, Jude 24. So it wasn't Ruth that negotiated this thing. She just believed. So all you are asked to do is believe. Jude 24. 
Give us, give us New King James. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. That one not to move me. See the next line. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. How is he presenting you? So is that, did he say you should present yourself? He's doing a presentation. Hallelujah. So the negotiation is not in your place. eh? So you are not my wife. That's what he said. And immediately, they had a son. What's the Ruth? It is finished. You'll be my wife. Jesus stretched on the cross and said, it is finished. Now you are a son of God. Boaz told Ruth that it is finished. They went inside the tent and they came out with a child. Jesus said it is finished. He came down from the cross. I have millions of sons across. Jesus had millions of sons across. Billions of numbers. It is finished. So it's not in your place. Now therefore we are sons of God. See what Isaiah said. Isaiah 53, 4-6. Give me NLT. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his trouble were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sin. But no, the next verse. But he was pierced for our rebellion. Crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Six. All of us have strayed away. We have all gone. God has laid upon him the iniquities of us all. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you are forgiven. You are righteous. Because Jesus became for you righteousness. He became for you justification. He became for you sanctification. He calls you holy. Christ purchased your redemption. He purchased, he paid the price for it. He did everything for you and called you coming to glory. Because he became that relative that is, that is related to our blood, right? And he was capable. Because he paid the price for the sin. He was willing because he trusted the willingness of God. And he ensures that the, the project is completed. Don't forget, our God will finish what he started. So he finished it. He finished it. Hallelujah. Because of his crucifixion, Jesus completed the atonement and provided a means for salvation to everyone who believes. It is therefore called a finished work. So at, at, at the end of this teaching, I would like us to look at something. There's redemption creed that Paul wrote at the end of this teaching. So we'll recite it together. I want all of you to say it after me. My redemption creed. Because of Christ, I have been redeemed. The price for my sins, my shortcomings, my sickness, my damnation, my severance from God, all through the first Adam, 
is now paid in full. Christ purchased my freedom in totality. From the kingdom of darkness. From the kingdom of strongholds. Of principalities and powers. And rulers of darkness in this age. In total obedience to God. He fulfilled the law. And set me free from its requirement. So I'm not bound by the law's requirement. Having blotted out the handwriting of the legal code. That was contrary to me. Christ was the perfect sacrifice. The full payment for all my sins. The full payment for all my sins. Somebody say all my sins. Somebody say all my sins. So none of their sins was left out. The full payment for all my sins. And for all of the sins of the whole world. Now I am reconciled to God. Never to be separated from him and his love. By anything. By anyone. At any time. Come what may. I am free from condemnation. I am free from guilt and fear. My eternal life is secured in him. His redemption has brought me into rest. I rest from dead works. I rest from religion. I rest from traditions of men. And human philosophies. I rest from the law. For Christ is the end of the law. The price for my sonship is paid in full. I am a true full bona fide son of God. I am holy. I am righteous. I am justified. I am perfected. I am a saint. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. Come on, somebody give Jesus praise. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at while the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. 
Thank you.